Welcome to the Eclectic Gamers Podcast. Today is Sunday, January 13th. It is episode 79. I am Tony. I'm Dennis. Here well, we are. Do you like how I'm staring at the information and I still had to think about it for a second? Well, you want to be sure that you loaded the right thing. Yeah. The 13th, the right for some reason, the 13th just felt wrong. Yeah. It maybe feels like it should be later in the month, but it's not. Yeah. Not yet. Yeah. Not yet. It will be soon enough. So, uh, anything been going on since we did our year-end review episode? Nothing super special. Um, work has been work, and play has been play, and I've still been streaming a bunch of Battletech, and I'm probably going to... Turns out I'm going to keep streaming Battletech longer than I'd planned to continue streaming Battletech because they pushed back the release date of Ace Combat for PC uh. to the 1st of February. Okay. And not too far. Right. It just makes me, it's just annoying because I was really wanting to get that on the 18th and play it and stream it. But yeah, now I can only do that if I do it on console and I don't have a capture card for console yet because it's expensive. Mm-hmm. So. so you might just have to play Bloodborne. I still couldn't stream it because yeah, I well. don't have a capture card for console. <sighs> well, I don't know what to, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Battletech is always there with you. You can always yeah. continue your Cold Waters campaign if you need to. Yeah, the Italian saga. No, that that's no Cold Waters wasn't Italian. That was that, that that's rules of rules of uh, uh, rule the waves. Oh, rule the waves was okay. yes. I'm I'm uh, currently playing a, a, another Italian run in rule the waves. That's what I played all day yesterday, mm. and I'm I'm at war with France right now, and it's going really well. Okay, well that's good. Yeah, I'm beating up on the French. It's like 1920. We've been at war for almost a year now, and hmm. I've managed to pretty thoroughly crushed their support forces and they've refused to fight any actual fleet scale battles okay so, except for one and i want it handily so we mm. haven't fought any more since all right so well i uh have continued on the weekends to chip away at hollow knight and i've been streaming that mm-hmm. i have not uh, maybe one one time played since our last recording any more of the we happy few game so I'm not, I don't have anything new to report on that. That's a survival type game. And uh, I was streaming Sharky Shootout on Friday and the DMD started to go out. So took a look at that and did, my dad came over and we did board tests yesterday and it looks like it's the high voltage supply from the board. And so once we figured we had a whole issue with, we were misidentifying what the wires were because the, it, the board looked like where it said, it said pin seven, but it looked like pin one. One if you didn't look at it right. Oh, yeah. So we were testing the wrong wire for like an hour and going back and tracing it, you know, checking the transformer and that was all okay. So then he took that board home so he could bench test. And usually it's resistors uh, on those I, I'd read already on the pin wiki repair guide. And at least one of the resistors is bad. So he's got resistors. So he was. I think he had to order that type because there's some special huge resistor, but they're not like pinball special. They're just different. Yeah, they're just different, different than, than whatever's in his assortment of non-pinball resistors. So, so Sharky's is going to be down for now, but the DMD is probably fine. It's likely just the voltage. It was behaving like you couldn't see all of it anymore. It was acting a little weird towards yeah. the end. And that was probably when that part or pieces failed because the transistors on that power board could be bad too. Something could have taken out the resistor. We don't. I don't know yet, 
but the transistor, all that stuff's cheap. You can buy a whole new board for like 60 bucks. So you're not going to have to upgrade to color DMD. There is no color DMD for Sharky Shootout. I know because I asked the guy if he wanted someone to work on a color DMD for Sharky Shootout when I first got it. And he said, no one has ever asked me for that game. So no. <laughs> it's like, like, okay. Okay, fine. It won't, won't be a project for me then. And work's been a mess this whole week. So we won't go into that. It's been annoying. Um, but what we will go into before we go into our pinball segment is, as we noted in the last episode... We always tend to do podcast statistics right around our first episode of January because our anniversary of podcasting is at the end of January. Yep. But this allows it because we're so close to being on a calendar year cycle. This lets me just snapshot for the year because I don't normally go into the podcast analytics with the audience because I think broadly speaking, they don't care. But if you do care, this is a little bit of insight at this point in, um, as we've always done ever since the first year. So I just look at the analytics from 1-1-2018 to 12-31-2018. So for like top show stuff, I always throw out our year-end review because it barely has any plays as of the end of December because he's out like two days. Yeah. So in terms of overall, I think anyone who listened to us throughout the year is aware that we had a lot of guest hosts. It was easily... Far and away more than we've ever done I think we had more guest hosts this year than we had the other years put together. Probably probably did. And also, we only had one interview, which is probably the least we've done ever. I I don't really like interviews. I know you don't. But as our analytics show, that interview was easily the most popular episode that we had. So that was episode 55. That's the Deep Root interview. That was the name of the episode was the Deep Root interview. So I don't think that's very surprising. Uh, I don't think it's so much that it was our only interview of the year, but rather I think that was the first audio interview that Deep Root gave to anyone. So there was some hunger for information then, because I think at that point there had been a couple of written interviews held at This Week in Pinball, but this was still before we knew all the developers that were going to be with, right. with the company. and everything. So there was more of an enigma going on. So that probably fueled that demand. Uh, our second highest listened to episode was episode 68. That was, you'll love this one, Pinball Drama, The Pinball Machine was the name of the episode. And that was a good episode. For the, well, for those that don't remember it, that was the one where Tony decided to execute a pinball thought experiment and talk about a, well, if we were to take the hobby of pinball and make a pinball machine themed around it, what would it be like? So that was probably the highlight of that episode. That uh, was also an episode where we covered a, a good chunk of that Godzilla license drama on the pinball side. Oh, yeah. And there wasn't really yeah. much of note on the video game side from that episode. Our third most popular episode of the year was episode 69, the very next one, which I titled The Meep with a Mouth. T- Tony doesn't ever know what I title them until I release them. <laughs> I usually just take elements from whatever the subjects are and then say, all right, that's a title. I don't put a lot of just effort Just smash into- them up. Just smash yeah. them together right. and see what works. So this one is The Meep with the Mouth because we covered the Deadpool live stream, which was the first time Deadpool was shown on on the internet, to my knowledge, of actual gameplay. Yeah. And also, on the video game side, we spent a lot of time talking about the phone game Dr. Meep. Hence, the Meep with a mouth. It works. Yeah. It, well, to me, it did. At the no, time. no, I, st- I still think that one works. That one, that one was pretty solid. So those were the top three episodes. 
Uh, now, one of the things I mentioned, uh, I don't even know what episode, uh, that I thought would be fun to do would be to actually look and see at the end of the year, who was our top guest on the show? Because we did have so many guest episodes. And of course, everyone wants to know who who's a winner and who's a loser. You're a wiener! That's right. Who's a wiener is a great question. And the answer was, according to Listens, it was episode 66 with Mrs. Penn. Mrs. Yay. Penn was our top listened to episode with guests. As incidentally, all three of the ones we just talked about beforehand were not our top three episodes were non guest episodes. So I had to go and then start sorting them by ones with guests. Yeah. So Mrs. Penn was our top one. Our second most listened to guest was episode 72. That's the one where we had Joe Schober, who's now with American Pinball on. That was a good, that was, that was a good one. And our third one was episode 70, and that's the one where we had Jason Knapp with Knapp Arcade on. Also a good one. And I thought it was very interesting when I saw that because Mrs. Penn aside, and her show is very different from a lot of the other pinball podcasts, the guests that are popular, the most popular, not to say those with lower views were less or lower listens were less or, you know, unpopular, but they, these weren't podcasters. Schober and Knapp aren't podcasters. Right. And I can see that. I can I can see where it, w- it could be that the uh, seeing as people already know the thoughts of a lot of the podcasters probably are less worried about and less jumpy on the thing. And when you get someone who's not normally uh, on a podcast who you can't find every week somewhere, it draws more interest. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know because I don't listen to all the other pinball podcasts that are out there, but yeah. I, to my knowledge, uh, Nap and Schober aren't, don't guest on a lot of shows. So they would have been unique voices to hear. And I think that would be a big driving factor. And Mrs. Penn has just her Mrs. Penn personality. It just seems to win people over. So that could explain why her show was popular. Yeah. Those were all good episodes, though, I think, in terms of. Putting them together, they were fun to do. So, to me, I liked all of them. Yeah, no, these were all... I mean, there were only a few episodes of the year I can recall that weren't fun to do. Actually, I don't think there were any that weren't fun to do, but there were several that were less fun than others. Mm-hmm. But And, uh, well, let's so let's briefly talk about what was our worst performing episode. Because, you know, there is a worst. Just there like has there to be a best. A best. There, there has to be a so, worst. And as I noted before, uh, the year-end review one doesn't, isn't counted. It would easily be the worst because it only had been out like a day, a day when I had to cut the time off. So I always throw that out. Um, it was actually episode 53, Sewing Discord, which does not bode well for this episode, Tony, because that was the first episode of the year where we did the podcast analytics. Yeah. Um, actually, I, I looked over the show notes on that, and we basically didn't have anything else to talk about. We had no news of note. We really just spent the time going over what video games we had been playing. Actually, what video games I had been playing dominated most of that. So it was very boring, apparently. Um, just a few other analytics to, to mention. Uh, so for 2018, our top five, uh, listening bases by country were in order USA, Australia, Canada, United Kingdom, and Sweden. That's pretty in line with what I recall from years past. Yeah. I couldn't remember if Sweden was number five or not in 2017. I think those other four are in order. Right. The same four. Uh, Sweden may have been. Those are all, uh, countries with pretty, uh, high per capita pinball populations. So that's not too shocking. Also, obviously, with the exception of Sweden, those are all predominantly English speaking countries, though I think most Swedes know English as well. So I 
I probably should say they're all predominantly English speaking. I just don't know enough about Sweden to really be uh, knowledgeable on that. And then uh, top website sources of listeners uh, looking at those analytics, um, Google and Facebook were easily the two most dominant by far in terms of people clicking on an outside link to come to us. Obviously, we get a lot who subscribe through RSS. Ah. That's tracked differently. And um, we had some spam listener thing. I mentioned this to Tony when it had happened. We had three incidents where these services, I'm calling them with air quotes, uh, like swarm and hit an episode. Like I'll get a few dozen listens. Uh, It happened three times in the year because you'll see the site listed. And if I click on the site in the analytics, it says, you know, you can spend 10 bucks and buy a hundred listens or so. I guess people do that on SoundCloud, like uh, recording artists might, I suppose, to try and say that their tracks are popular, you know, that yeah. sort of false, a false read to make it look like they already build success by already having success, buying listens. I don't really see what that would accomplish in a podcast, but I'm guessing this is how they go out and maybe fish for business. Yeah. It's just by hitting you with a bunch of listens and you see a surge. Uh, and it would really stand out because a lot of times it's not necessarily the latest episode. So when I see an analytic, I'll see a, a chart and I usually just see the latest episodes, but I'll see an other category. And if it's really high, it usually means one of two things. Someone new just subscribed and downloaded all the episodes or something like this happened. So it did happen a few times, but, uh, I did find, I glanced back while you were going over the last section in the notes to find the listening countries in 17. And in 17, it was the USA, Australia, Sweden, Canada, Germany. Oh. So Sweden fell and Germany's off the list completely. Yeah, the UK rose. I wonder if it was our extensive coverage of Highway. It could quite possibly be. That won the United Kingdom over. Or perhaps they're aligning more with us because of Brexit. Could be. Or it could be that all of the those buying things came from the UK. Mm. That's an interesting point. Uh, they actually... I'm trying to remember when I looked at them. I think they actually use like official SoundCloud audience, like people with profiles. So it's just diff. I, I don't know where they're all from. Yeah. I never clicked on them to. All I know is that they all of a sudden I see all a bunch of named people, named registered SoundCloud people in the list. I'm like, this is weird. We very rarely get a lot of SoundCloud registered people listening. It's usually outsiders who click. Yeah. Because that's how we because get, how it's yeah. Set up. Because it's like it's just, because it's podcasts. It's I mean, just different, right? I mean, I've got a SoundCloud account, but I'm not logged into it. It does it normally. So when I click on something and listen to it that way, it doesn't track me mm-hmm. as my SoundCloud. It just tracks me as an outside click. So um, only other thing of note in terms of sourcing was Pinside and This Week and Pinball were also uh, they weren't like three and four on the list. The list deteriorates really quickly because of how things are tracked. Sometimes it's different threads or different links. Mm-hmm. Pinside's like that, whereas Facebook just says Facebook regardless of where the click came from. So, but Pinside and, and Twip were high sources of of audience. So that's really all I have in terms of, of a summary of 2018 from an analytic level for those who are. Curious behind the curtain about just how episodes perform and those sort of things. And here's the important takeaway from it. Sweden, we love you. Keep pushing hard. You can get your your third place back. That, yeah, I don't I don't know. I didn't look. I record the numbers, so I don't know how hard they necessarily have to push. But I don't know. It's Australia better to Canada, push hard. Yeah, they probably really need to. Australia and Canada, I mean, they have pinball podcasts of their own. I'm not aware of one in Sweden. And so there are a lot of... Uh, Generally, you think if there are enough people around to make a podcast in the country, there must be some significant 
demand. And as usual, a lot of the sourcing when I see breakouts come from pinball sites. Right. Which makes sense. Video game sites. So, so that's why. Well, the big we, thing is like video games, there's so many millions and millions of podcasts that do video games. Yeah, there are a lot, uh, a lot, including a number of very professionally done ones. As in the people are paid to do them. They're from through journalistic outlets in right. particular. So it's just a, I know it's a much th- bigger hobby. So. I know at this point, all the video game podcasts I listen to, I think, except for one are like, you know, put out by like CBS entertainment and this mm-hmm. and that, because, you know, it's like giant bomb and, 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 and some of the other big, big, Hey, this is our full-time job thing. Places. Yeah. I, um, other than, yeah, basically other than one, I don't really rely on non-journalists for video game podcasts at yeah. this point because I don't want to. So I don't. All right. So we're done with that. So we can now go to the pinball segment. There's one, uh, major news item to talk about and that's monsters. <gasps> it's real. It, it turned it's out really real. It turned out to be real, Tony. You, you were right. And it, Came out in early January. So, and it looks like Iron Maiden was in, I think, April. So, you think in terms of a full 12 months, they got three cornerstones out. So, yeah. that was all right. Now, did you have a chance to see the photos of I've Monsters? seen the photos, and I've seen maybe a minute and a half of gameplay. I watched a little bit of the gameplay at CES. I did not watch the Dead Flip stream where they were with, like, Dwight Sullivan, the programmer. Right. All, all the stuff I've seen was from CES. Right. Okay. So, me too. So, what are your thoughts with... Well, let's start with art, because that's what we only thing anyone could talk about before. So, now we know that the premium model is the black and white model, the play field is black and white, and the cabinet art translator black and white, with some color incorporation. It's not right. strictly pure black and white. The LE version is colorized, same play field as the premium, but in color. The cabinet art is different and in color. It's more of a coffin. Yeah, it's shape. a very coffin-esque. Yeah. And then the, the Pro is a color model, but, but it has a different play field because there's a significant change with the aspect of the lower play field. Right. So I don't know. Did you, did you like the art packages? I appreciate the black and white art package. I, I, I would go so far as to say that it's probably my favorite of the art packages just because I think it took a lot of uh, daring to go with a pure, not pure, but to go black and white uh, for the art package. And I thought it looked nice. Uh, other than that, the LE is good looking. I mean, it is good looking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, I liked the black and white look overall. I thought it. I thought it integrated really well. I saw it with the light show, so you still see a lot of color thrown mm-hmm. around. I also am a big fan in general of black and white. So while I'm not sure if it necessarily was the best business move to make the premium model black and white, I liked it. But I didn't I didn't dislike any of them. So. Right. I, I, I didn't either. But do you think it would have been better to have made the LE the black and white? I think it would have been safer. Safer for the company. I think they'd still have sold them out. Yeah, thing. And so, I can see that. And so given that I have, and part of this is from me lurking on forums, I've seen a number of people, I can't say if it's a, a lot of people per se, but there are a number of people who have said they don't want to get the pro because they're afraid that the game won't be fun without the lower play field, but they don't like the black and white. Some of it isn't that they don't like the art, it's that they're afraid they won't be able to see the ball, they won't be able to track it if the room's dark, 
that it the silver ball blends in with gray too much. And hmm. that they worry that it's harder to see than it is on a really colorful play field. So with things like that, they'd rather have the LE, but they don't want to either they don't want to pay the price on the LE or they called their distributors and they can't get it already. It was already sold out. So I hadn't thought about the ball motion and the ball disappearing into the background of the play field as an issue. Yeah, it um yeah, I I've never really had that problem, but I guess it, I can't uh, think if I've played a game that had a whole lot of gray on the playfield. No, I mean Rob Zombie was kind of a dark playfield, but I didn't really find ball tracking particularly Mm-mm. difficult at 403 Club, which isn't a it's not a bright area. It's not, not a bright all. bar. Um yeah, no, I can't. I've never it's not something that would be a non-factor for me. Maybe that's the best way to say. It. Uh there are some who absolutely hate the black and white art. Well, just that's to be expected. So so there's that as well, but um yeah, I uh yeah, it was to me art was fine. Uh what do you think of a lower playfield? So that's the big key difference is it's a lower playfield with a miniature pinball. I'm not entirely clear if it's the same size as the Donkey slash Stewie pinball on Shrek or Family Guy, which are basically the same game. Yeah. Uh where they had an upper play field with that with the little mini flippers and all that. This the lower play field isn't like it isn't like ACDC's lower play field. It's not it is a smaller ball, and in that lower play field, it was hard to tell from the stream, but from researching it more later, it's like a pinball machine within the pinball machine. Like they, it's got different little shots. It's like got a little vertical up kicker inside of it. It's got, so it's its own little pinball game within the pinball game was the idea that they were executing with that. Um, I don't, I don't know what, what do you think? Do you think that a lower play field like that is compelling? So compelling that you'd rather have that than a pro model, which obviously is devoid of the feature. I think I want to reserve judgment until I've actually tried it. Mm. Because seeing as it's completely independent from the other play field, it's got its own flipper buttons. You can, and from what I've heard, you can run balls and play on both play fields at the same time. I don't know. It what, might not be something that I can really enjoy. What did you think of uh, the decision to give it separate flipper buttons to control those flippers? I'm not Shrek a, didn't do that. I'm not a fan of it, but I can understand why they did it if they are if they do have it set up so use so both can be active at the same time. At the same but I don't I don't like a bunch of extra buttons on my pinball machines. Mm. I like I like two buttons. So like like any game that'll have, you know, an extra flipper that's controlled by a third button, I typically just forget about it. A lot. So, and I'm, well, that would be less likely in this case, seeing as you have to use them. It's one of those things that I'm not, I'm not sold on it. Okay. Okay. Um, let's see. Other than that, I, I'm not sure where I want to explore the, well, let's talk a little bit about software, I guess. Obviously, we've not played it yet. So we, yeah. we have no hands on experience to talk about it. I, I didn't get to CES this year. Yeah, and I saw kind of what was going on with it at CES. I also heard an interview that on the uh, Special When Lit podcast had. They put together a panel with they had John Borg and Dwight Sullivan. I should say B- John Borg is the is the playfield designer. Dwight Sullivan is the uh, 
the head programmer for the game. They had a couple other, Franchi, who did the art, Christopher Franchi was on. And I think they also had the, uh, J- I think his name is Jerry Thompson, the uh, audio engine, the guy who did all yeah. the sound package. So the main, then, you know, the main four people you kind of associate as the leads on their respective fields in the game. So when they were talking with Dwight, he had noted and Dwight had been on that. He's been on that podcast several times. And before that, he had an interview uh, before Munsters was revealed. And he had indicated that his last game that was released from Stern was Star Wars and that his next game was not going to be as complicated in terms of rules and figuring it out as Star Wars was. So Munsters came out and when they were talking to him about his approach to code, Munsters does not use modes in the what we think of in the modern sense. It's not a mode-driven game where you go like Star Wars goes and you start a mi- you get it prepped right. and you start a mission or if I think of Star Trek and you're like okay well now we're going to do Klingon battle and it doesn't have those. I guess my analogy he didn't use this term but th- my analogy would be it seems a lot like Iron Man where you do shots and eventually that will activate something but it's not this it's not like you you prep something and then you go and you choose a new mode or get into a new mode. It's more like do this enough and a multi-ball happens. Do this enough and maybe a hurry up happens. Do So it's more you, like everything is act, all your things you're working towards are active and you're actively working towards things, but you're not going into, you're not going, I need to do Nero because I want this shot and this shot turned on because I can make those shots or I need to do, I need to activate this mode so I can make this shot over and over and over again to build up the bonus. So then I'll go to this mode, which will let me score that, the whatever bonus I built up while making that shot and increasing my score. Yeah. I, and again, this is where I wish I had seen a little more or more appropriately actually get hands on with it. But my general feeling is it's like, instead of the, in most pinball games now, when I'm playing, it's sort of a, we need to get into a new mode. Otherwise, you're not making any points. Yes. You gotta get, gotta get a mode going. Even Iron Maiden, where every shot is advancing towards something, ultimately, you're still trying to activate, you make progress and then you activate your mode. Progress, activate mode. This, again, like, you know, Iron Man isn't like that. No. With Iron Man, it's like, well, you can shoot ramps and you'll start building up your mark values, or you can do the Iron Monger shot and eventually you get Monger multi ball. Same with Whiplash and Whiplash multi ball and, uh, whatever the other one is, Ironhide or whatever he is. I forget his name. War Machine. War Machine. Is Ironhide a Transformer? Yes, he is. Okay. Sorry. Transformers is not a good, uh, pinball machine. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> um, so I'm guessing it's sort of like that. So yeah, instead of like you're trying to, Get your next, you know, in different mode games, like Walking Dead, for example, you're trying to get your drops and then you go into your mode. Other games, you basically just have to make your mode shot, like Star Trek. You're always ready for a new mode. You just got to turn it on, sort of thing. This isn't going that route. It's more like kind of how you described where things are, I don't know if it's the same as things are always active, but it's more like you don't go into a mode to do anything in particular to score points. Here are your choices. They all do something after you make a certain number of shots. So play it and have fun with it. And don't be confused by thinking, oh, well, oh gosh, I really need to do Tatooine, but uh, should I wait and, and deploy my TIE fighter multiball while I'm in that mission? You know, it's not like that. Um, so what do you think of the idea of just stripping away what we don't understand and all this? sort of gobbledygook of language um, of the idea of a simpler code set today. 
I don't think it's going to be a problem. You don't as think it'll hurt ga- sales? I don't think so. As long as the game is fun. Here's the thing to remember. Almost every game that is out there that is popular are games or like some of, some of the most popular games ever are the old Williams games. And a lot of them didn't have modes. Mm-hmm. They you played and you activated something and you kept playing. It's old school pinball. I think it'll be fine. I think the home use people, the homeowner, the private collection owners might not be as happy if it doesn't have the same kind of depth. But I think overall, it's not going to hurt their sales. But most of their sales are to the home market at this stage, according to Stern. Oh, I'm, I'm sure it is. But I'm saying is the people who are vocal about it, and this is a complete guess. I think the people who are the most vocal about something having to be super deep are also more in the minority. Mm. I think it's more important. It's not, I I think if a game is fun enough, you will just keep playing it, even if it doesn't have all sorts of stuff to move to. Yes. I I think for most people, I agree with you on that. I think that it's, it's really a question of a fun factor, not a depth factor. Right. Um, But, Obviously, some people might define their fun only as being depth oriented, but there are people in the other camp who have been complaining that games are too complicated now. They don't like that it feels like you have to put 50 plays on a game just to understand the scoring strategy to it. And this could be seen as approachable in that regard. We saw some of that with uh, Total Nuclear Annihilation. Mm -hmm. That is a game with a very straightforward code set. It's very easy to understand what you're supposed to do. People say it's fun because it's so hard, not that it's deep, because it's not deep. It's the same thing nine times over. But people like it because it's fast, and they like the music, and they like the shots. Right. There may be some others who want their Star Wars code, or more apropos, I suppose, the Jersey Jack buyers, where other than Dialed In, Dialed In was a relatively shallow game compared to Hobbit, Wizard of Oz, and Pirates. They're all really deep key for code sets they're all journey pins and dialed in is their best game it's not their best seller no but it is their best game so but we need to worry about the survival of the companies if we want them to make more pins we personally don't need to worry about it i'm not in the market for those now that's true but then again we're not talking about jersey jack who puts out a game every now and then Mm. or or, or two games or, in 2019, or, or, Tony. I'll believe it when it happens. Okay. Or, or Spooky, who puts out a game when they feel like it. We're talking about Stern, who puts out two to three solid games a year. Mm-hmm. Stern is the one who can do stuff like this. They can take these risks because, at the end of the day, if it doesn't, if it, if it doesn't work out, if this isn't a huge selling machine, and there's the, the, there's not enough code there, there's not enough depth to the game. Okay. It didn't destroy them. Yeah. I uh I don't think this is a huge gamble for Stern. I the I still think the biggest question mark was actually running with this particular theme. I I understand it in the sense that I've seen a lot of people say, even though the show was only on for two years, it was syndicated a lot. So there are a lot of people who grew up in the seventies who saw it mm-hmm. because it was available on on TV. I remember well, seeing it in the eighties. I I mean I've seen it, but it, I have no I have no strong recollection of watching it regularly. 
I do. But but even then I didn't care that much. It was on it was on before something else I mm. watched. So, but I think I think there's room in the I don't I and I think I may have said this on one of the This Week in Pinball podcasts a while ago. I think that there's room in the market for code styles like Iron Man. You just don't want every game to be like right. That. So I personally like the idea of this code type because I have I have to admit I have been feeling a little overwhelmed with things like Star Wars where I'm not really sure am I choosing the right character? Am I choosing the right mission afterwards? And then the recommendation I hear from the better players in the area changes when the code update hits. So I feel like I never really understand uh, completely. Now, if I had the game home, I or if I was able to play on location more, that might not be a big deal. But Iron Man was always really approachable to me because I understand what I needed to do. It's an enjoyable game. What do you think of the layout of Monsters? I want to shoot it. Mm. Because I don't think it looks bad, but I haven't watched enough and I haven't shot it myself. So I just don't know. I think it looks like it shoots great. Um, it's, I don't, when I see it, I do think cookie cutter stern. It's back to their standard. Let's do a fan layout. All the shots are in the back, nice and safe away, nice feeds to the flippers. That's been their bread and butter for a long time. I think it's their bread and butter for a reason. I think people like to shoot fan layouts. Mm-hmm. And so that sells. And I, this doesn't, it doesn't bother me. Because the last two games have not been fan layouts. Deadpool is not a fan not layout. Not at all. I like it. And Iron Maiden is not a fan layout. You could argue that the premium model of Monsters is not a fan layout because of the lower playfield. However, on the top, the main playfield is a fan layout playfield. And, and that's, uh, Borg. I mean, it, it very much looks like what you would expect out of Borg. The shots are in different places. I can't say I see it and I go, Oh, that's Metallica. You know, he's moved the bash toy off to the side. It's not in the center like Sparky is. Uh, of course, two ramps to two flippers, like all the fan layouts have to do that. So it's, it is what it is. It looks like I think the ball, uh, would play pretty well on it. I think it'd be a lot of fun to shoot, but I don't think obviously you've got two, you got again, Sort of like depth versus shallow. You've got some people who want that flow of the fan layout, and you've got other people who, be they uh, stop and go style players or flow players, want layouts that are more atypical at this point. But given that Stern has just done two of them, I'm not at all surprised that the third is a no, fan. No, that's not a surprise. So um, I, I think that it will make it a, a very approachable to people. Do you think that? Monsters, when it's all said and done, sells better, worse, or the same as Deadpool? Worse. Think but it sells not worse? by a lot. Okay. I agree with you. Why do you think it sells worse? Because Deadpool took a lot of chances. Deadpool is a more modern, more um, well-known modern license, which increases the in- the interest and it took a lot more chances, and I think it had a lot of stuff in it that was more interesting to the pinball uh, person in the know. Where I think Monsters being a license that is less rabid in its fan base, as it were, and definitely much older in its fan base, and being, a, like you said, a much more standard Stern-type game, I don't think it's going to sell as much. 
as I noted, I, I agree with you. I don't think it will sell as well. Having seen it, um, now I, there, I think it will do better than I initially thought when I was only making a prediction off of theme. The issue with theme for me is that even though most of the market at this point is home collectors, Deadpool is a better location theme. So operators who cannot or do not go and buy every single new Stern that comes out will probably feel that Deadpool is a better investment for them than buying monsters. And I would, I would agree with, I mean, yeah. I just, we have a kid walks in, they're going to know Deadpool. They're not going to know monsters. If an adult walks in, they'll know both at best. But so given that there's that factor, the, I think that the layout will be a lot uh, to people who, who are big time into pinball playing. So lots of collectors who like to play a lot. The monsters layout may be more attractive because it looks like from what I saw with the CES shooting, it seems to shoot a lot smoother. A lot of people will favor that. Deadpool seemed to be very dependent on precise setup. Otherwise, if you get too much of a clunk factor on that sword ramp, people really hate shooting that game. Plus, the right orbit on Deadpool doesn't feel like a great shot when it falls into the shooter lane. Yeah. I still don't like it when it does that, even though it's meant to. I just, it doesn't feel great to me. But I have a lot of fun playing Deadpool, and I probably would have a lot of fun playing Monsters. The other thing, though, that makes me think that the monster sales will be lower is when I look at Deadpool Pro and Deadpool Premium, I don't feel like I'm giving up very much if I were to go with a pro. If you look at Monsters Premium, the lack of the lower playfield when you turn your head to see the pro model makes you have to ask yourself, do I want to spend $2,000 more to get the lower playfield? Is it fun enough or not? It looked like a cool feature. So for me, it's like, I really want to play, like, I'm assuming we're going to get a Munsters at the 403 Club because we seem to always get all the new mainline Sterns. I don't know if it's a pro or a premium. I'm hoping it's a premium because I want to play the lower play right. field. But I don't know if I was to put a game in my home. Do I want to pay another two grand for the lower play field? I'd have to, to play Is it, it $2,000? Here's the thing that always factors in for me. What could I buy in pinball for $2,000 instead of that lower play field? That's a sharky shootout right there. I mean, I, it's a pin. Right. I can buy a pin. Maybe not a lot of DMD pins, but I could buy a lot of alphanumeric pins. High speed with money in my pocket. Yep, Pinbot yeah. with money in my pocket. That's the factor that I as a collector always run my analysis through. And I think other people will as well. Even new in box people. And the thing that you have to remember, and I know you remember it, but not everyone I co-host with does, is that not everyone has infinite amounts of money to spend on any game that they want. There's a big jump between that pro and that premium price. So even setting aside the art and the questions on that, there are, there are people who are just at best pro buyers. And if they can't have the lower play field, they might just pass on this and wait for Jaws. You mean everybody can't order an LE just every day of the week with no problem it's just not just not for everyone we're not all we're not all made of gold bars we're not all scrooge mcducks so it's just just what it is so i think the game will do well for them i think it's not going to be a dud looking at how well it shot i think and and passionate as the team is and i like the iron man style code on it i think that it will do just fine for stern but i think when it's Let's say 24, well, let's not go that far out. 12 months from now, I think when you run the numbers, I think Deadpool will have higher total sales across their pro LE premium combined. 
versus monsters combining those same groups. Then I think you're right. But I don't think monsters will be bad. It's not going to, I don't think it's going to bomb. It's not going to be it a looks, flop. It looks way too fun to shoot for it to bomb. Yeah. It's not going to be a flop. But so that's really all I had for pinball. Uh, news of major news note. I thought we might spend a little bit of time to talk about the Twippies. Twippies! Because for those that don't know, the This Weekend Pinball has their voting going on for their annual pinball awards. We'll have a link in the show notes. And I thought, well, we should go ahead and just go through those categories and and talk about what we voted for and what we think will win. I just thought that'd be something to do because I didn't want to talk about monsters the whole time. Before yeah, we no, do our video games. it's a good idea. So let's go ahead and let's get it, get it going here. I have my little ballot loaded up. So, so I do can, I. All right. Excellent. So, uh, the first set of stuff is going to be is when you go and vote is a drop down choice, uh, of games. Now, some of the games are only available in a few of the categories th- because they're remakes like monster Master right. remake or, or so, things like that. But so caveat, caveat, caveat. Best theme based on theme only. What do you think is the best theme of 2018? Deadpool. I agree. What See, do you think? What do you think will win? That stupid pirate game. Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. You think it'll win on theme and theme alone? I think so. Oh gosh, no, no. I can't. I, I, I can't buy it. I, I think there's too. I, I think, think Deadpool will win. I think there. I think there's I think too many fanboys who will go after it because it's the game that they love the most yeah but when they when they have the honor to say well that's best theme integration not not no no i think they'll vote for both (sighs) guys don't do that don't be don't be like that i mean because i can see arguments for some of it but i i I mean i think that's probably the worst theme of the year but Hmm. i wouldn't be surprised to see it winning okay uh best displays animations and display what do you i ended up Going with Deadpool again. I was torn though. I really thought about going with Iron Maiden. Okay. I could see that. I, I went with Deadpool as well. The, yeah. For me, it was the retro, mm-hmm. yep. the retro stuff on Deadpool's. The 16 bit. Yeah. The is 16 what won me that, over. That's what, that was the exact same thing with me. That, and especially when you have the 16 bit and then there's times when the high res Deadpool show, stuff like that, that kind of fun little stuff. That's what pushed it over the top for me. What do you think will win this? I think Deadpool. Uh, I think you're right too. I, I know more people are bothered by Iron Maiden. Some of the, they don't like some of the animation. It, to them, it looks cheap because it's yeah. really, you're trying to, everyone, well, and I'll say Stern in particular seems to be struggling with knowing exactly how to use their display, the high res display. Mm-hmm. And so I thought the 16 bit was a great idea. And I, th- I think it will, I think it'll resonate. Uh, best light show. What'd you pick? I'm going to put a caveat on this is some of them I did not, I haven't seen the light shows on some of them. Sure. But so, what'd you pick? I went with Deadpool. Okay. I gave Iron Maiden my vote here. What do you think will win best light show? Do you have a thought? No, I don't because I haven't seen all the light shows. I think, Pir- I was, I think Pirates will. I think it will win this one. I, I, I was torn because I was torn between Deadpool and Iron Maiden, but mm-hmm. I hadn't played enough of the other. I hadn't played a Pirates. I haven't played a Pirates since. Since the prototype, so I wasn't willing to take the guess on it. And I could easily see it winning it. I watched a couple streams with it. The uh, Buffalo Pinball guys have, have streamed Pirates, so yeah. I was able to see some of the light show there. It's it's impressive. I think uh, I think a lot of people uh, it will resonate with. Uh, best Toys and Gimmicks. What's your pick? I went with Deadpool. Okay. I gave this one to Pirates. Um, even though I'm not a huge toy person... The upper play field that fires into the ship looks cool, at least. So, 
See, I, I give it props for that. And I liked the reason I went with I liked the uh, sword lock and the bobblehead, uh, the 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 little Deadpool, little Deadpool, little, little Deadpool bobblehead, and all that stuff. And I remember when I remembered when all the stuff was coming out that that was the one that got everyone's. Oh, this game's so dumb! Look at that! It looks and it's it it's fun and it's a it's a cool little thing and I think mm-hmm. it works. Now, who I think will win? I think Pirates will win. Okay. Uh, and I do. I think that as well. And, and actually, back on the last one, as I, I noted, I thought Pirates would win Bet's Light Show. I have to say, though, I've been, and I haven't seen this, but I've heard a lot of people say that the new light show on the fancy model of the Monster Bash remake is very impressive. See, I haven't seen it. And I haven't either. So, but it could win. It could win overall. I yeah. don't know. I don't know how many people have seen it, is the thing. All right. Best theme integration. What game did you think actually integrated its theme into the game itself the best? I once again went with Deadpool. I went You're going to hear a lot of repeats, yeah, but the funny. whole game room theme, I mean, on the DMD, he's playing pinball on the thing mm-hmm. and the way everything, I just liked it all. The way it all worked together, it, the way it meshed. Yeah, I, I went with Deadpool as well. What do you think wins? I think Deadpool. You, you think Deadpool will win this one? I think so. Even though best theme will be won by Pirates. I think Deadpool. Okay. Um, actually, yeah, I think I think so too. I think Deadpool and theme integration. Uh, best music and sound effects. Now, that's not call outs. This is music and sound effects. And th- now, this one, I initially was going to go with Iron Maiden, mm-hmm. but when I got to thinking about the sound effects, I like the retro sound effects in Deadpool, so I shifted from Iron Maiden to Deadpool. Okay. I. Like the retro sound effects in Deadpool, but I went ahead and thought that the the basic sound effects when you're shooting the game, I, I liked Iron Maidens too, and I'm not as enamored with the classic sounds as some people are, so I went ahead and I voted for Iron Maiden on this one. What do you think wins best Iron music? Maiden. I agree. I think it'll win. Best callouts. I'm a broken record. Mm-hmm. I went with Deadpool. I almost did because I know, I've played video game or seen the video game footage with North voicing Deadpool. Yeah. So to me, he and he is Deadpool. I, right. I, and that's Ryan the Reynolds reason I Deadpool did. Tool, but I actually voted Iron Maiden on this because I really like the, the male demon voice call out voice. It's just, I just think it's really it's good. good. It's cool. It is good. And, and again, this is basically um, me going through this was basically me sitting down here. I could have just pulled out a coin. That said Iron Maiden on one side and Deadpool on the other side and flipped it and mm. probably come out happy because most of these were an argument between the two of them for me. What do you think wins best callouts? Iron Maiden. I think so as well. I think there are a lot of people that are mad that Ryan Reynolds didn't voice Deadpool. Exactly. And I think that'll pull it down. And I've not heard anyone complain about the callouts in Iron Maiden. No. So. Uh, best rules. What did you think of best rules? I went with Iron Maiden. I went with Deadpool on this. Really? Even though the code's not done. I do not enjoy the Iron Maiden rules very much. I do not like this shoot any shot in the game to progress them anything. I know it eventually starts making you dial in on the shots more, but I just, it's a wood chopper. And yeah. I just don't like, I don't like wood chopping games very much. I have the same problem with Metallica. Some people love it. It's just not my preferred style. What do you think wins best rules? Pirates. I see. I, I think, think it could. I, I, think I think it's it, I, because I, of the depth. I yeah, exactly. And there's so many people who worship depth. I know. There are so I many know. depth queens out I there know. that I, just have to have it. I, I think Iron Maiden will win it, but I think Pirates will be close. Yeah. I but 
But yeah, we'll see. Best playing field, gameplay and layout. So, Iron Maiden. I agree. I think the four flipper and how it shoots, it's not a fan layout, but it's really flowy and fun. Yep. It's fun. It's fun. And it's got, fun. It's got I, a lot of fun yeah. shots on it. And as I noted, Deadpool has a lot of, uh, got a couple of clunk sections. It does. That trigger a lot and trigger me. So, so. Yeah. Uh, I see. This was, I think this was the one where I wasn't even close. Okay. When I saw this, Iron Maiden was instantly on top of it. What do you think wins best play field gameplay? I think Iron Maiden. I think so too. Uh, best artwork. What do you think? Alice Cooper. Alice Cooper. Okay. Yeah, I could definitely see it's got a very Spooky good... wins with so much of the artwork game. They do so good mm-hmm. with the artwork. I mean, the games might be terrible. Rob yeah, Zombie was horrible, but the cabinet art and the back glass art and all that was great. I went ahead and went Deadpool on this. I liked the how they made it look like a comic book. That is nice. And that's different than they've done with any of their other comic themes before. I just thought it looked really good. I like Jeremy Packer's package they mm-hmm. put together on that. Uh, what do you think wins best artwork? Because there are a lot of really good packages this year. There are. Art. I mean, Pirates looks pretty good. See, and, and that's the thing is I think, I think Alice Cooper personally, uh, which is why I put it, but I think if people are going to really lock in, you're probably going to see pirates. Okay. My guess will be that Iron Maiden will win artwork. So I think it'll be the other Jeremy Packer art package. Yeah. See, my, see, my thing with it is I just, I don't mind Iron Maiden's artwork overall. And part of it might just be that I'm not the hugest Iron Maiden person. I much prefer Alice Cooper. And I think the artwork, especially the cabinet and back glass art, once again on Alice Cooper is so much better. Yeah, I, I, it looks, I mean, I can't, here's the thing. If I look at how, what the quality of the art looks like, I think you end up thinking that Pirates, Alice Cooper, Iron Maiden, Primus, Deadpool, and Beatles are all eligible to do very well. They're all very well drawn. Maybe not Beatles. Beatles is pretty well drawn. It is well drawn. I don't think it'll win. No. I, I think the, the color scheme that Franchi went with is going to put people off of it. And it's just got a little too many Beatle heads around for yeah. a lot of people. Though after having but, finally but, got a chance to play quali- Beatles, I enjoy the crud but out of that the game. The quality of what he did for it is very, very good. He's actually, from a stylistic standpoint, Christopher Franchi's my favorite. Favorite in terms of his approach. His sort of He does more of a realism style, and I like that. But... Anyway, so I'm gonna I'm gonna say I think Iron Man wins it, but yep. we'll see. Uh, okay, so now we're in the parts where people just start filling in things. Nope. You forgot game of the year. Oh no, no, I'm skipping that. Game okay. of the year. Okay, Tony, what's your game of the year? I ended up doing Deadpool because I gave it top place and more often. It could have been a flip, Deadpool or Iron Maiden mm-hmm. for me. I voted Iron Maiden. I actually have more fun playing Deadpool. However, I think what Iron Maiden does on a variety of levels. Makes it worthy of game of the year. A pro that has four flippers. We got the prop up bar back. I mean, so some of this is like things under the hood. Right. It just, it's like, it didn't, it looked like, okay, we're going to, we're going to compete. We're going to put stuff out. It was so different of a layout. Obviously, Deadpool is a pretty different layout as well, but Iron Maiden came out first and you had your playfield designer being so integral in terms of coming up with his own rules. I just overall, I just think it fired on a lot of cylinders, and it was a huge breath of fresh air. So I'm voting for for that. Who do you think wins? Iron Maiden. I agree. I think that the people broadly will vote for it. Oh uh, yeah, that I, I, I like I said purpose. for me, it was 
I, uh, that was where I was leaning, but when I was looking at what I'd filled in, it's like, I filled in Deadpool over Iron Maiden on almost everything. So it doesn't mm-hmm. seem right to do that and then say Iron Maiden's the better pen. Yeah. I, I could see that. I just, I had to look. For me, I just said, I can do it because I'm, I'm going to look past more than just my own personal favorite, which uh, there are things I don't, because there are things I don't like about Deadpool as well. As yeah. As overall, there's a lot about it that I think, I'm, I'm glad it's on location. I really like playing it. Mm-hmm. All right. So now we're in the write-ins. Favorite pinball Twitch streamer? Eclectic Gamers Podcast. I forgot that we Twitch stream, Tony. You're the one who Twitch streams pinball. I do, but only a couple times a week. I voted dead flip. <laughs> okay. Who do you think will win? Do you think EGP will win? No. Oh. I think dead flip will win. Okay. Maybe Buffalo, but I think it'll be dead flip. Yeah, I think Deadflip will win as well. He's just, he's expanded his audience so much, but the, there's the question of how many of those people will vote in the Twitter. Right. Um, favorite pinball podcast? What'd you pick? What do you think I picked? I think you probably picked the Riptide Pinball Podcast. This Week in Pinball was Zach Meany. No, no, yeah. no. I, 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 I had to vote that for podcast, us. That podcast, come on. Uh, I, yes, I, I had to vote for I, us. I almost voted head to head, actually, but uh, because they've worked so hard, and and I'd say if you don't know what to vote for, I would encourage you to consider voting for head to head if you listen to them because they put so much effort into their interviews. However, I thought. I know how much work we put in to do our own show. We deserve at least one vote. So right. By George, I'll be that vote. I, <laughs> and and uh, with, with pure honesty, if I wasn't voting for us, I would have voted for head to head. Yeah. Uh, who do you think will win? Head think, to head. I think so too. I think so too. They deserve it. Yeah. In terms of just the sheer amount of, of effort to do all those interviews. It's- Especially considering so many of the interviews were done at you know a, a twelve plus hour yeah. time difference, and they're with and a lot of them are with people you don't hear from all the time. Right. Kind of like how when we had guests that aren't on all the time, people liked those episodes. It's yep. the same thing. They interviewed some people that have not given interviews in a very long time. So it, yeah, it was just, it was a good year for podcasts. It was um, favorite pinball YouTube channel. The eclectic. No, actually, I did not vote for. I was trying to think. I think I've exported like two videos. So right, we we. we, uh, I think it's three because. But they're all just our rips from Twitch. Right. I guess I did that one goofy rules video that I think someone asked me if I was on crack after they saw that because they didn't know what I was ripping off of. Right. Yeah. Um. I mean, because our our channel's just rips from Twitch. Because I I put I put all. We don't really have a YouTube channel. We just we provide. We have a, okay, we have a YouTube channel, but it's really just like an archive of things like yeah. good play, uh, walkthroughs on how we've done particular games. Right. In fact, we probably have more video game stuff on it than we do pinball. Yeah, because yeah, I've, because I've put all my, ba- I've put all the battle tech right. runs on it. I've done a few other than early on because I didn't think people don't want to go and rewatch that. You can go to Twitch while it's still active and rewatch my live stream. Right. I'll do things like if I have a high score run. Yeah. I'll extract. I'll make a highlight and I'll extract that so people can see. Oh, look, here's how you're not supposed to play hoops yet. Somehow it gets you a good score. Things like that. Yeah. Um, I actually voted straight down the middle. So did I. Because it's really the only YouTube show I watch with any regularity. Same here. And I, and I skip well, some of those it's the episodes only too. Pinball related YouTube show I watch right, with right, any regularity. Right. Yeah. Same qualifier for me. I, uh, like, I don't, I don't watch their unboxing videos and stuff because I think unboxings are boring just flat out. I don't watch them, period. They might do a good job on them. I don't know. I don't care to watch. I enjoy I'm not watching a little kid watching run, little toys be unwrapped. And, and I enjoyed watching Zach getting drunk 
And I've heard about that violence. one, but I haven't seen it. But I do like the reviews. So I watch those. And I like the this or that. So those are fun. Yeah. Anyway, you just listen to their this and that's and then just go with basically the opposite of whatever is said and you'll actually have the right choices. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, sounds interesting. Uh, who do you think will win that? I think straight down the middle. I think so too. I think they won last year. So not that that means anything. Uh, it doesn't mean that you're, it's not a knighthood. They don't get to have it forever. But the only other channel that comes to my mind that might be able to compete would be the Papa channel with Bowen's tutorials, which, yeah, I could, eh, no, I don't know. I mean, yeah. it just seems like they're less consistent. They probably are really consistent at this point. I, Papa, I used to watch on Twitch, and then at some point they made the move to doing a lot on YouTube, and I didn't make the move with them. So, yeah, I, I don't know what the what the deal is exactly with that. Uh, favorite pinball mod of 2018? Left it blank. I did too. I, 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 I think Penn Stadium will win, I but so I left also. it blank because I, so I don't have enough experience with yeah. mods. I don't have a machine to, to mod, so. Yeah. No, I, I didn't, I didn't have, I can't have anything. I don't have anything that I think is a favorite, so I'm not naming yeah. it. Uh, favorite homebrew? Pinball drama, the pinball machine. Mm. No, I, I left it blank. Okay. Cause I haven't actually started. I left it blank also. Machine. Any thought on what will win? I have no idea. I've seen like a dozen home pictures and this and that of like a dozen homebrews. Yeah, but... and this doesn't, I mean, this could be anyone. It doesn't necessarily have to be this year. I'll go ahead and throw out a guess. I think Nightmare Before Christmas will win it. Okay. Just because I've heard that one mentioned a lot. Yeah, that's that. That's perfectly valid. Rookie of the year. I left it blank. I did not. I put Keith Elwin in. I think he'll get it for his See, Iron Maiden work. I thought about it, but I have a hard time putting him down as a rookie. Hmm. Well, he's a rookie, so deal with it. Because that was, he was he was the main one who came to mind, and the more I thought about it, it's like that really. He never worked in the industry before. He had a homebrew game that he had been hammering on, but it hadn't yeah. seen production. It, it, I guess it's just one of those things that it feels like it's like okay. how do you call someone a rookie who's that, considered you know one of the biggest? I don't know. Do you, Do you have a thought on who might win the category? No. Okay. Uh, he would make the most I, I sense think if, I think people, I think if people if people can get over and actually see him as a I rookie. think this is going to be between two people. I think they're going to go with either Keith Elwin or they're going to go with Eric Munier for designing Pirates. I think those are the two. Scott Denisi was last year, so I don't mm-hmm. think people are going to pick him. I don't think they're going to go with an artist or a coder or a player. I think that's what it's going to come down to is a designer. And I think Keith will get it because he sold more games. Yeah. So more people know it. Uh, favorite pinball website? I went with fun with bonus. Oh, I actually saw on Facebook today that Steve Bowden, who runs that, is considering changing the name. Really? Yeah. Do you think he should change the name? I like the name. Yeah, I like the name too. All right, Steve, that's our opinion on it. So you, but make whatever decision. What's you he feel. considering changing the name too? Oh, he na- some things that are a little more clearly pinball. I don't remember. Oh, well, I can see that. But but I like the name. Yeah, I did too. <clears throat> now this was tough for me. Was it? It was. Because I do read This Week in Penball every week. Okay. Here's the problem that I ran into. I didn't consider This Week in Pinball because this is the Twippy Awards. That's why I I disqualified it in my brain. That's why I removed it. After I submitted it, I thought, you know, I didn't actually see that that was a rule. That was pretty presumptuous of me. So See, because they were my first thought. And I'm like, well, but it's their awards. I don't... yeah, and that was the issue I, I ran into. So because of that, I actually voted for Pinball News because mm. I actually go to Pinball News. The problem that I have, it's just a, a 
It's a problem of, it's a drought. There's, they don't put out articles every day. A lot of times there's not an article every week, but usually I really like what ends up at Pinball News because it's pretty in depth. And it was, uh, so what, why it jumped out to me is I really like the coverage that Martin, who runs uh, Pinball News, did when Highway was collapsing. It was really detailed. He had, he got a hold of the, of the, the insolvency documents and put them out there and analyzed them and explained it all. It was really thorough and he covers the shows really thoroughly. And I actually had to rely on that to write my Atari article, which actually ran at Pinball News. So that's just the one that came to my mind. What do you think will win? I don't know. I think Pinside will. Uh, well, but I thought there was another section for forum. I guess there wasn't. No, we, we talked, we about, talked that about that. We talked about that. And you suggested yeah. something like that. Yeah. No. Favorite? So that's the only so one. So probably. Yeah, I See, I don't like Pinside. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I will go there, but I don't, I don't, I have fun with bonus in my RSS feed. So mm. I get it. Every time it updates, I get it. Right. So, uh, favorite pinball publication, Tony. This should have been, up. this should have been easy. Well, you would never screw up. You've oh, I put screw so up much, all the time. No, you've put so much thought into all. I'd of put these. a lot of thought into this one too. Mm. And all the thought I put in, into this one was, I need to get a hold of Dennis to see which article he, he, he's going to push for as his main article. And then I clicked the submit after I was done. Yeah, you were done because you blank. actually none of those were any good. But that's not true. I like several of them. Mm, apparently not enough to write them down. No, I didn't because mm-hmm. I was going to check with you and then I finished. I'm like, oh, submit. I'm oh, done. Oh, well. Yeah. Because one... I wasn't going to send you a message when I was filling this out at like 530 in you the morning. You could have. You just wouldn't have heard an answer right away. <laughs> oh, well. Yeah, I... Uh... I went ahead, yeah, I voted for one of mine, and the, I went with a beginner's guide to manufacturers, which again, I thought about because that was run at TWIP, and it's like, well, it's this week in pinball, this is an award. Obviously, the award goes to the particular article, not to the site, so I right. think that's probably all right. Uh, why I went with it, well, it was actually, I don't know. I wrote like eight, including the ones I co-wrote. I think I had about eight articles in 2018. Um, I think it was the most read is the main reason I picked it. I, I don't know because I don't know the end. I don't see the numbers on the, I can see how many people have looked at um, pinball news. I don't know on this week in pinball. Right. But I got a lot of really good feedback on it. And I also really liked working on that one because it required me to use a bunch of divergent sources to actually put it all together. And so there was a good challenge with that. And even though it's written up in a guide format, I think you can actually read it straight through, which I wasn't sure I'd be able to pull that off. But I, when I got done and I proofed it, I thought, actually, that read pretty well. Yeah. But So that's why I chose it. But I think Pinball Magazine is my guess as to what will win. That would be my guess. Uh, number five, I guess, for people know the new one. I think that will win. I think it's. I'm very, not done with it. It's hard for a. It's hard for an article to go up against a magazine or a book. There was only one notable pinball book that came out this year, and it wasn't very good. Right. So I, I don't think a book will win. But favorite pinball location. I went with the 403 Club. I did too. It's got the most games, and they're in good condition in our area. So it was a pretty easy pick for me. Yep. What do you think will win? Do you think it'll be the 403 Club? No. Oh. I think it'll either it'll either be a location in New York or like Goldwatch or something like that. Maybe a little bit I could see it maybe be someplace in Seattle, but they have or Portland, but they have so many locations. It's really going to compete, right? I'll actually say that uh, what is it? Level three fifty seven arcade could be out of um, is that the Chicago area? Yeah, I don't Chicago know. Area. But uh, Crystal is a tech there has really been pushing it on social media. And hey, yeah, if you don't know what to put down, you might as well put down what someone suggests. Yeah. So. 
So that's my guess there. Uh, favorite pinball convention? Texas. I put that as well. What do you think wins? Texas. I agree. It's the new expo. It is. It's the new expo. Um, I, but I, I wouldn't be shocked if, if expo wins or replay FX for hosting Pinburg. Uh, favorite pinball tournament or competition? KC GameCon Pinball Championship. Mm, well, okay. I didn't play in that. So I actually left. This I didn't blank. play in it either. So but I, I still little, voted for it. What do you think wins? I think if Pinburg <laughs> doesn't win, I might have a stroke. <laughs> yes, uh, I would be shocked if Pinburg doesn't win. That's if I'm still sober by that point, because it is a cash bar. And unlike, of course, on the other hand, it's a cash bar. It's a cash bar. And uh, un, uh, un, unlike uh, unlike you, I don't have 47 people already planning on buying me drinks Maybe and getting you me do. drunk. Maybe you do. Maybe they just didn't say it. Maybe... Look, pinball's full of alcoholics. They'll probably just start buying everyone drinks. And, and <laughs> they just say those things because I made fun of their favorite beverages. It was a classic ploy. That's how I've always survived on not having to spend any money. Always works. I always fall for it. So before we move into video games, which we do have a number of uh, items to cover in that category, I am ready to play you a game of 20 questions. We held off last time while we were Twitch streaming, but I am all set to go. So you can ask your first question whenever you are prepared. Which means whenever I get my little thing out. Okay. Is it an EM? No. Solid state? As in, let me rephrase. Pre-DMD solid state? No. Is it from the 80s? No. Is it from the 90s? No. Does it have an LCD? No. Okay. <laughs> Wanted to make sure I wasn't going to end up <laughs> staying too far back there. Mm, yep. <laughs> so, is it a stern? Yes. By the way, that was question six. Is it Sharky Shootout? No. Bold. Bold guess. Though fully compliant with everything you asked. Yeah. Is it movie licensed? Yes. No. I'm sorry. No, it is not movie licensed. I went crazy. Is it Walking Dead? No. I thought maybe since you went crazy, right, right. it was no, a TV I, license. Right. I could, yeah, I can see that. But no, it's not Walking Dead. Is it WWE? No. That's question 10. Is it Deadpool? No. Okay. How could it be Deadpool? I already said it's not an LCD. Oh, crap. I was got locked on the movie license mm. thing. I know. I so told you that was a good call. complete mess. I'll, good I'll call. tell you why I messed it up after we're done. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was hooked on the, the movie yeah, license. That's fine. You, you could keep going down that route. Yeah, Perhaps you'd like to say excellent. Iron Maiden as well. No. Okay. no. <laughs> Is it a music pen? No. I've only gotten like, I've only gotten like two yeses. <laughs> <laughs> that's a movie pen no it's not a movie pen oh yeah <laughs> i understand it's not a movie pen unfortunately everything coming to my head is a movie pen right now okay <laughs> i'm like no no don't i didn't i misspoke i know no no i know that that's why no that's why <laughs> okay it's just okay. everything that keeps popping in my head it's like oh wait no that's a movie pen it's either a movie pen or a music pen and those are both no's so i'm like uh is it from 2015 and newer Yes. I'm going to end up kicking myself when I find out what this is. It's a Game of Thrones. Yes. Question 14. I, 
It's like, it's, I'm sitting here, it's like, that's a movie pin, that's a movie pin, that's a music pin, that's a movie pin, that's a music pin, that's a movie... No, that's not a movie. Son yeah. of a... That's the one I should have gone to immediately yeah. after Walking Dead. The issue was, I'm looking at the theme and it's medieval. And I'm just staring at it. Oh, yeah. And, of course, it's a show, so that didn't Right, happen. right. So right, it's just like, all this stuff is just like, it's like a movie, it's on HBO. Exactly. And, well, and, that, and that was why when it was like, oh, it's a stern and it's that new... It's going to either right. be a movie pin or a music pin, or there's going to be like three choices. Now, I was specifically uh, using the premium, just FYI. I don't may ever make you pick the type, but uh, so that was a 2016 pin. I note that because the Pro is a 2015 pin, so they were both in your range, but yeah, uh, in terms of just having to pick one particular game, that made me uncomfortable. I didn't realize they had two different uh, years of actual manufacture. Yeah, I didn't either. Probably would have gone differently, but yes. And then everything else obviously was was clearly within everything else you had asked. So that worked. There you out go. Really so you well. got it. You got it before. You got it even. I a, got it before I got the thing. That's even good. Before you I, even needed. I would have had. I, I would have had it like five things earlier if I said it immediately after Walking Dead, like I should have. But when I thought non-movie pins, mm. Walking Dead and WWE were the first thing to come yeah. to mind. Yeah. So, um, well, are you ready for your turn? Okay, let me get situated here. Is it an EM? No. Is it a DMD? No. Is it alphanumeric? Yes. Is it a a WMS game? So Bally Williams. No. Is it Gottlieb? No. Five. Is it Data East? No. And you know, I really want to thank IPDB for making this so easy to do this on the questioner side. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It makes it makes life very, very convenient. Um is it from nineteen eighty eight to nineteen ninety one? No. Is it from nineteen eighty four to nineteen eighty seven? No. But it's alphanumeric. Unless uh, we have a different definitions of what's your definition of alphanumeric? That the display can display letters and numbers versus numeric. Actually, that's a no, because I'm not. Poly- I I don't know. I think I, I I think it's numbers only now that I think about it. That would be that's a mistake on my side. Maybe no. Okay, let me revise my thinking a little bit then. Because um, I think I think it is numeric only. It is numeric only. Okay, so now maybe no. That is a no. Uh, is it a Stern yes. Electronics? Okay. Is it Seawitch? It is not. That was 10. Is it Meteor? It is not. Stargazer? Yeah, that's it. Okay. And you would have probably had that a lot earlier, but I screwed up that your yes, no right there at the beginning. Because that was yeah. 12. Yeah, because yeah, that was, because it, it is right, when I numeric. Could, when I didn't get it through the mid 80s, I was at that point, I thought, I don't think I can go back any earlier for an alpha display. Right. So. And, th- and that was the problem is I misunderstood you. So I messed you up. Well, it can be tricky sometimes, especially when one works against a Decepticon. Because <laughs> so, I'm sitting here looking at this yeah. astrology. It says astrology. They both start with an A. That's no, true. Hey, that's good. That's almost <laughs> as good as mine. Oh, HBO. It was thinking, oh, it's a medieval thing. Medieval thing. Movie thing. No, no, no. No, it's just a caramel TV show. Um, okay. So video games. Uh, 
Awesome Games Done Quick. Awesome Games Done Quick. That just wrapped up yesterday. It did. What is that? Was it was it yesterday? Te- technically, it was it was after midnight, so technically it was this morning. It was still, no, it they was finished before. Metro- now, they the did. finale where they just all, maybe that was still past midnight. That, yeah, because they I... They past midnight Eastern. Right, which is where they were. It was past midnight our time. Okay. Because... I, I shut it. I shut. I watched the finale. When the finale was done, I shut it off and went straight to bed. And that was like twelve fifteen. But awesome games done quick. I know we've talked about them in the past, yep. but as a refresher, awesome games done quick is a four charity uh, video game speed running event. I was going to say competition, but it's not really a competition. Some of them are. But basically what it is, is for, uh, in this case of Awesome Games Done Quick 2019, and as long as I can remember, it's a week-long, 24-hour-a-day stream of speedrunners running games and collecting money for charity. Yeah. So, and this year, it was the Prevent... Pretty much all, it's been Prevent Cancer it's, Foundation for a while. Yeah, it's pretty it? much, yeah, awesome, usually, awesome games done quick does the Prevent Cancer, and I always forget if it's Society or Foundation. And it's the Prevent Cancer Foundation. Probably a foundation. They give grants, so yeah. that would fit. And then in the summer, they have Summer Games Done foundation. Quick, and that's uh, Doctors Without Borders. Right. And Games Done Quick is a, Basically, those charities choose to, and I've seen others do usually non-week-long things with them, but the game's done quick. Basically, you hire them as a charity to do a speedrunning event to raise funding. Right. And all the funding that gets raised goes to the charity. They, I'm sure, get paid. The game's done quick gets paid something to obviously run the fundraiser. Right. But all the money that is directly donated to get the hotel and all that and all that, they, uh, they, yeah, I think they get the money for the, from the attendees who want to attend live. And they're probably paid something by the charity, but every dollar that they raise through the through the raising, the yeah. donations, the bits, the, the subscriptions, and one hundred percent goes to whatever charity contracted them. Right. So, they've been doing it for a number of years now, and they set some pretty impressive fundraising amounts through that. Through Very that impressive on the yeah. weekly one, on the weekly ones, yeah. Because, uh, like, just case in point, I've got the the final donation totals for this year's Awesome Games Done Quick. Was two million three hundred ninety-seven thousand four hundred ninety-two dollars and fifty-one cents. Mm-hmm. It's huge. Yeah, it's huge. So that's, and I don't think that's their biggest one. I think it's still behind twenty seventeen. Okay, I, but I'm not positive of that. They well, it was close. Yeah, it it summer games done quick usually lags behind awesome games done quick, but awesome games done quick has certain levels that. They hit in the past that maybe, well, they're, I mean, it's hard to raise this much. So. Right. So they used to not get over two million when I first started watching them, but yeah. Cause I know, I know, I know while I was watching, they bypassed 2018. Okay. And the next in 2017, 2017 maybe was not. a little okay. higher, but I think they might have passed it also. Okay. I don't remember for sure. And I don't have the, they don't have the notes mm. up there where I'm lo- on any of the pages I'm looking at right now. So, but they, it was a very obviously it was a very high amount, a big haul. Mm-hmm. And the, the it's fun if you even if you're not into some of these games, just seeing some of the stuff. As long as you have basic video game knowledge, is fun to watch. I watch a lot of video games that I know nothing about, but to me, the big fun is watching video games that you know and watching how people use every tip 
trick little thing to shave games that took me 40 hours off into like a 23 minute playthrough. Yeah. It, it's, even if you don't, and most people don't speed run video games. Right. You get to see how they break games to be able to go faster. And I've actually been able to watch games that I either have played or am in the process of playing or was thinking about playing and pick up things from them to actually make my gameplay easier. Because yeah. they have all sorts of... Because the big thing on most of this stuff is they try not to fight anything that they don't have to fight because it's all about winning the game as fast as possible, not experiencing all the content. But there are all sorts of categories where, like, you need to go and collect all the collectibles. Right, because it's every... All the games have their... I don't, I don't know if they would call it an official thing, but there's speedrunning groups and they have mm-hmm. what they consider an official. There is a any percentage run, which is just... Beat the final boss as fast as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. And then there's, you know, a hundred percent runs that are like, oh, you have to get all of the collectibles yeah. and then beat the final boss. Or, you know, there's all sorts of different percentages and, and different ways to run yeah. it. And yeah, Mo- most uh, of the games have multiple, uh, multiple tracks, basically like 50 meter, 100 meter. They got, it's like that. Right. So like we were before the final, the second, the penultimate game of the event was Super Mario Odyssey and he was running the dark, dark darker side, side darker, darker side, side, which meant he had to get 500 moons. There's another category where you have to get all like 800, 800 moons. moons. Yeah. And there's another one where you just go through and you win the story as quick as possible. So right. there are all sorts of different, uh, and the strategies are different because, uh, if you're doing a longer haul, maybe you do things that you have to keep yourself safe or whatnot. Right. And, and it extends different games are like one hit kill runs versus. Yeah. I watched play, the Zelda. They did the, easy. Yeah. Uh, the link to a pl- like pass one hit kill run and yeah. and a lot of these they run in they're running on modded ROMs that let them like set it up so it, for stuff like one hit kill or or um to allow certain things that wouldn't work otherwise. Any highlights that you liked? I watched all of Saturdays from when I woke up at like five thirty in the morning until after it was after the end of the finale. And it was all good. But my highlight of the whole week uh, was the very first run was a Hollow Knight playthrough. Yeah, I saw that. It was very enjoyable. But my absolute favorite was actually on Friday night, uh, Final Fantasy IV Free Enterprise. Now, Final Fantasy IV, uh, for those of you in the U.S., you might have played it. Uh, it was Final Fantasy II on the Super NES, mm-hmm. is how it was released in the U.S. Yeah, originally, yeah. But in Final Fantasy IV Free Enterprise, it's a, an open world ROM hack, and it is a, it is a scavenger hunt randomizer for Final Fantasy IV. Mm. So what you do is when you choose what they call flags, so you can set up the rules for the game, and, then you get a seed, just like you'd get, like, if you're playing Minecraft and you create, you put a punch in a seed that gives you that's what, what the world is generated from. You get, you have a seed that this world is generated from with your specific flags in place and it changes the places of everything. The items are in different places or the same place. You don't know. They're everywhere. All the bosses are moved around in different places. Uh, all of the people that you would get in the game, all so all the uh, characters to go with your hero 
are in different places. They're not where they are in the main game. And you start the game with the airship. Mm. So the actual thing is, is you run through the game and you're uh, gathering everything, all the key items you need, whatever key items you think you need to beat the game and beat the final boss. And it's normally run as a race. Okay. Or at least in this situation, in when they ran it, they ran it as a four-player race. I've seen this. Uh, there's something similar for uh, Legend of Zelda that does the same thing, and they do. And I think maybe at the last SGDQ, they ran as a race as well. Yeah. Where all the all the pieces you need are randomized, and you got to go and try and find enough to go in and fight Ganon. Yeah. And and the way they set it up is it's not so it's not like if you're you know your first level and you walk in. The, the, the penultimate boss is in the first place you go. He's been scaled to the level that it would be to be in that thing normally. So, but it's all about tricks and this and that to play through. And it was, it was awesome to watch and it was a lot of fun and interesting to see how their paths diverged, uh, and how quickly their paths diverged as people went, well, I'm going to go to this dungeon because I know there's at least two key items in that dungeon. And some of the, well, I'm going to go to this dungeon because I know there's a key item and a character in this dungeon. Mm-hmm. So I'll get a second character real quick. And it, it, it was interesting. I really enjoyed it. Okay. And we, I've got, I included a link in the links, uh, that links to the free enterprise, uh, website, which got the hug of death, uh, on Friday. Mm. <laughs> To no surprise. Right. But, yeah. but no, I, I, I've never really been interested in like speed running games. I like picking up tricks, but actually the thought of just like speed running and doing the little hacks and t- trips and the tricks and this and that, I don't care that much for it because for me, I'm more into it for like the actual, the story and yada, yada, yada. But in the case of this, this seemed like a lot of fun. So, and because of my memories of Final Fantasy four. Uh, from being a kid, it was awesome to watch. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not particularly into speed running. I suppose if I were to speed run anything, I would never marathon. I would, it would always be really short, like games that are yeah. under 20 minutes. Once that speed run speed sort of thing. But right. Yeah, I don't, uh, I did like the Hollow Knight one because I've been playing through it. They had a good race with Donkey Kong Country. I thought that was pretty fun I to watch. I did see that. I'm not huge into Donkey Kong. I never played but it, it, but I liked it. But liked it was it. fun to watch. And I wish they would quit doing Taskbot. I'm tired of Taskbot. Taskbot is popular, but I don't like Taskbot. Yeah, it's just, it used to be really neat to watch them have the, what they call the Taskbot, which goes and does things that humans can't do. It's everything can be, controlled on every individual frame and so you right. can see just how badly a machine could break a machine but it's that's at the point now where they're just like having it play made up games and just nonsense right. crap well and it's just like there there's there, there were a lot of that was my low light the scribble knots thing and yeah yeah but it's just using taskbot to pull it and the guy who was running the computer was terrible he couldn't talk so he's like, I'm really nervous. I'm like, yeah, get off the stage. You're not meant to be there. <laughs> I, I, I'm, no, it's not. Some people are not meant to speak no, publicly. And he yeah, was one of them. Yeah, very much so. And it was just like, oh my, it was just sort of, it was almost cringe. I just, but I don't like Taskbot in general. I'm just sick of it. Yeah. I want to watch humans show me what they can do. I don't need to see, oh, well, look how what happens when you can go and manipulate things on the one sixtieth of a second. Because you can control frame by frame. Right. And then have a machine just play it all at once. Ooh, look how fast they moved. But, but no human can do it, so it's... Right. Now, now, 
Yeah, it's one of those things where I think it's interesting to see once and then... It's like watching NASCAR, which is already boring, run by a bunch of auto-driving Teslas. What's the point? Exactly. Yeah. What's no, the that point? That would be good. Now, the uh, uh, other thing that I wasn't as keen on is a lot of the uh, the, the fan games mm. where it's, oh, we made the, this game is just super hard for the point of super hard mm. and I'm going to speed run this game. And and when they're talking about it, well, this level, when I first, the first time I played this game, the first time I learned this level, I died 5,000 times trying to learn the patterns in this level. Now watch me die 500 times, even though I'm an expert at this game, because it's just that hard. Yeah, I, I did not watch those this time. There's only been one instance that I've really, and I have really liked it, was when they were having Mario Maker run. And they do races and they had pre-built challenging people had gone together and they made maps that everyone was running the same. And they made them for GDQ and had expert Mario Maker platformers play them. And they weren't like 100 deaths. Right. But it was that was neat. They were, well, and that was like uh, they were two, two of the ones on Saturday were like uh, Quickie World and Super Gracie World were Mario. Mm. They were they were Mario things that were like that. I've heard of I've heard of Gracie World, yeah. and, and those were fun to watch. But there was another one that it was like uh, I want to kill the Camellia too, and it was I actually liked the guy who was playing it. He he interacted well. But the game, I mean, it got to the point where he got hard locked at a point where he just started getting so mad he could not do it anymore. He loaded to another, to a save beyond that point and continued. Mm-hmm. Cheated. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay. I didn't yeah. realize you could do that. Yeah. You should have just quit. Yeah. Well, you know, it happened in the Super Metroid, which I, again, I wasn't too shocked because it's reverse boss order and it's practically impossible. But yeah. the guy had to load two saves. And it's like, normally your run be done. Actually, I'm pretty sure one year they did a four-person Super Metroid reverse boss race. And two of them didn't finish. Right. And it's, it's possible. They, they didn't get past the first boss. Right. Because they take you take so much damage because you're doing it in the wrong order that they couldn't make it. M- one missed jump and you die to lava. Yeah. Because you have no heat suit protection, so. Anyway, but yeah, it's a fun event and they, they do record all those. So you can go see the video on demand or VODs, uh, out, out there and you can see the past ones too. There's obviously you have a week's worth of 24 hour content. Yeah. It's, it's so lots of, uh, really weird games, uh, nostalgic games, classic games, and they tend to play a lot of modern games too. So usually things that have only, I mean, Hollow Knight's only a, a couple of years old, I think. They tend to, Doom wasn't at this one to my knowledge. It was were, last year. It was, it was, it was, it was in summer. summer last year. It was yeah. in summer. And they ran out of time before that too. Right. Well, and Mario that, Odyssey, obviously a pretty new game, 2017 yeah. game. Uh, they did, uh, the DLC for Splatoon 2, mm-hmm. the Octo expansion. Yep. Octopath I, I, Traveler was run. It was. And that's a really new game. I didn't watch it because it's on my, list and i haven't yeah i i caught the last part of it they only ran one story that was the right that was the mode just win one person's story so so uh, they did like halo reach and they halo games aren't uncommon zelda games there's always at least one zelda game probably several yeah they usually run multiple at this point because some of them are especially at any percent aren't that long to do right so they did majora's mask i saw yeah, I watched all of Majora's Mask. I watched all of... And then there was that one-hit one with the one hit Link one to the Past. Link to the Past. Yeah. I know they ran, not Skyward Sword, they ran the other the other newer one, uh, Twilight Princess. Mm. Uh, 
which I didn't watch it, but yeah, no, it's, it's a fun system. They ran near. I didn't see it, but it started, it was like Tuesday at four in the morning. I was, you know, it was still going when I got up. It was a, over a four hour run. So that doesn't surprise me. All right. Well, uh, let's see. I just actually read about this yesterday. Um, Bungie. Yeah. Bungie did. Speaking of Halo. (laughs) Yeah. Bungie did what we all wish Blizzard would do. Yeah, that's the article I actually saw was a plea, please Blizzard, leave Activision, like Bungie did. Yeah. So spoilers, Bungie's leaving Activision. Yeah, Bungie uh, made Halo, and when they left Microsoft, they left Halo behind. Yep, they had to. And they they made Destiny, and Destiny 2. Well, now Bungie has decided to leave Activision, but this time when they're leaving, they're taking Destiny 2 with them. So Bungie is separating from Activision. They're being free. They no longer have worm tongues speaking in their ear. They can return to their former glory. And they're bringing de- their, their current big game with them. Do you think that this is sustainable for Bungie to be without a major publisher? Provided they can continue the roadmap and Destiny 2 maintains its popularity. Hmm. It will fund I mean, them enough to put it, to work, keep working on it and probably fund up and build, put out another Destiny. Because, well, I mean, the thing is, Destiny is designed to be a kind of like Blizzard's Overwatch in the sense that it's a game that you're supposed to keep constantly playing. And correct. They, they iterate and they put out a lot of DLC. Destiny 2 had a, I mean, from general standards, a pretty good launch. However, the game wasn't seen as very good, seen as a step back from Destiny 1, which had a very rocky launch as well. I mean, they had a lot of initial sales, but there weren't a lot of people who kept playing it until right. they had a big DLC that sort of fixed things. I don't know the current status of Destiny 2. The d- new DLCs for Destiny 2 have moved it back up in popularity, okay. but it's still not. Just with a system like that where you're trying to sustain and keep uh, basically a game that people are playing every single week, I just, I don't know if Blizzard, or excuse me, if Bungie is in the position to support it without a publisher to, to fund them through those transition periods where you're right. sitting without cash. But they just got a deal with a Chinese firm that cut them like $320 million. Mm. Okay. Worth of funding, uh, late, well, they last, may be fine. late last year. Um, uh, I don't remember the name of the company, but it's a Chinese company. It has to do with it has to do with uh, 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 that that gave them. I think it's one of those. Oh, here's the money, and we get to do the Chinese release type things. Okay. So well, they might be all right. I I don't know. I played the demo to Destiny One. I did not care that it was the shooting mechanics felt great, but I didn't care for the world, and I just never. Have cared since, and I've got Destiny Two because it was for free during BlizzCon, um, because it's on the battle because it's the the PC version is available on BattleNet, which mm-hmm. Blizzard announced that it will still receive full support on BattleNet and still get all and still get all the DLCs and this and that. Okay, that's so, good. So, um, we'll see. I've never tried it. Yeah, well, you might like it. Maybe I've got so many games. And the ones I do like, it's those are the ones I play. Yeah. Again, I've been playing. I've been playing an old, not that, not not the greatest game in the ever naval combat game for like ever. I played it literally. I woke up yesterday morning. I fired up uh, uh, Awesome Games Done Quick. 
I checked the news and stuff like I normally do, and then I started playing Rule the Waves, and I played that until I went to bed. So, mm. okay, I, I'm crazy when it comes to stuff. I do things in weird ways. All right. <clears throat> We're going to follow that up with a game that I have played uh, just a very little bit. Not enough to get involved in this, but I just love the concept of this, the, this emergent gameplay, and I like emergent gameplay. Yeah, I like that type of thing. Elite Dangerous. Have you heard about Elite Dangerous? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, Elite Dangerous, uh, for those of you who haven't heard of it, it's an open universe space flight game. And everybody plays in a one-to-one scale representation of the Milky Way, which means it's huge. And even in-game, the amount of explored space and the amount of space where humans are in the game is very small. And you make a fairly large amount of your money besides your normal trading and some combat. You go out and explore uh, other systems and worlds and this and that. And that information, it, you sell that back and you get money. Well, this year... Uh, because it's kind of open-ended, there's no real in-game type content, and they're doing some fun, they do some fun stuff, but most of it is driven by the players. Uh, the community has pulled together, and they're putting together what they call the Distant Worlds 2 Expedition. It's a follow-up to another expedition that they did, that happened last year. It was nowhere as, as big, and it wasn't as expansive as this one. But the plan currently is they've got more than 9,000 players signed up for this expedition. And they, they actually leave today, the 13th, and they're on a 200,000 light year expedition across the universe of Elite Dangerous. So they're going from human space all the way to the edge of the galaxy on the opposite side. Now, what's interesting about this is the actual, because of how everything works in the game, uh, how FTL works in the game. It's not an FTL like in Star Trek or Star Wars where you could just, you know, oh, we're going to this planet and you go, okay, so we go to warp five and we go there. You actually have to take short jumps. And a whole lot of the prep for this, uh, for this entire thing was people had to have a special jump drive that you got through an NPC interaction and a series of missions because of how long, how far it lets you jump to give you a decently long jump. But it's still going to be lots and lots. I mean, like thousands of tiny little jumps where you can make two or three jumps and then you have to refuel mm. and this and that. And the jumps are, most of the jumps are blind and they're, you're going, they're jumping into systems where nobody's ever been. So they don't know what they're going into. So it's going to be this huge thing. But the actual expedition time, it's expected to take eight months. They're going to be doing this. All year long. Wow. Now, <clears throat> players that have been getting involved have been preparing for this for several months now. Uh, there are people who are actually, they, they are running it in, uh, large amounts of people are running it in a full kind of role play situation. There are people who are, who are running in it and their whole purpose in it is they are journalists. Who are chronicling stuff and they've got websites set up already and they're going to be streaming and doing all that. Because the interesting thing about Elite Dangerous is it runs, uh, it's an MMO, but it runs in instances like most systems do now. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like yeah. World of Warcraft used to run with servers. It runs in instances, but instead of running in an instance where they're just like, Oh, there's five or 10,000 people here. They run in instances of like 20 people. So most of the coordination for this is happening behind the scenes 
off outside of the game. They're coordinating outside of the game using websites, uh, Discord. There's a special Discord server set up. They're actually working with the game's creators who are doing a whole bunch of work to help the whole thing pull together and work with uh, kind of under the hood tinkering right. and stuff. So they're in addition to all of that, they are running full up. Uh, there's an Elite Dangerous pen and paper RPG game. There's a D&D Elite Dangerous game that has been created and it was Kickstartered and it's been available all year. There are people who are running with this fleet who are going to be running small things of that and in-character stuff and, and this and that throughout as they play. And they're going to be doing uh, skirmishes and, and, and stuff like that. There's people who are going along who their whole thing is, I'm a big cargo ship and I've got spare parts. And uh, we do this and we make this and we make that. It's just the kind of emergent gameplay that makes a world that might otherwise not be as full and as open fun to me and it's something that we don't see in a lot of the games that we see online anymore uh most online multiplayer games are they're bro shoot 'em ups or mm-hmm. you're playing football or you're doing whatever this kind of emergent gameplay is a lot like we talked about with agdq the emergent gameplay of the quick of the speed runners is the same type of thing it's taking the game and doing something special with it that takes a lot more than just game right so I just thought I, I'm going to keep up with it. I'm following some of the some of the news reports. I'm going to keep up with it as it goes along. I I haven't played enough Elite Dangerous to have even hoped to have gotten in on this if I had the kind of time that it would require mm-hmm. to have gotten right. in on right. it. But I think it's cool to see this kind of emergent gameplay in video games. And <clears throat> when it comes to stuff like this, is this something that would interest you? Uh Emergent gameplay and stuff like this where you're twisting something, uh, or is this something that you prefer to say something closer to have more actual, like, designed in-game content type thing? Like, World of Warcraft was very in-game designed right, in-game right. content, and this is very sandboxing. Right, no. No, not your thing? No, uh, I've never seen a model of this that didn't take tremendous, tremendous amounts of time. And, and it, that's, it all and does. And because of that, maybe if I were like, a student still... I might be able to swing it, but see, and- I have an emergent life I have to live. I can't be sitting here uh, doing a doing a you know. I like to go and play a game and be in the game world, but then out of the game to sit and and have to do my game a website about my game stuff and my game journalism about my in game stuff. It's it's cool and how it all layers together. But it, it's just, it's way more than I would ever want to do on a single. Yeah. Because uh, I run into the same thing of a, why would I write an article about being in, as an in-character, in-game journalist for this game I sometimes play? Or I could write a real article that someone might actually find useful. That's what I run into. It's like, and if I want to play a role, like I want to be a journalist, I'd rather just play the video game where I'm the journalist going around and doing it in the game. And it yeah. kind of holds my hand more than doing it outside of the game and integrating it in. I remember all the raid planning and stuff with Warcraft on the And it was just, oh, it was a lot of work. And this just sounds like a lot of work. And I, <clears throat> and it's just too much work for me. I can see it. See, I like, and part of the thing is I loved Eve online mm-hmm. and I, like you said, it takes a lot of time and work. And it's why I don't play EVE Online anymore is because 
when I was playing EVE Online, I was running three accounts. I was playing all three accounts simultaneously when I played. I was playing for hours and hours and hours at a time every day. And it just got to the point with, you know, work and family and all that. It's like I didn't have the time to put into it. That I, It wasn't that I did not enjoy that game. It's that I felt like I was spending to enjoy that game. I was spending too much time that I needed to spend on other things and it was causing issues. So I had to drop something. And obviously I'm not going to drop the family and work and all that stuff. So I dropped the game. I would love to go back to Eve. I would love to pour that kind of time back into Eve. Mm. I remember days and days playing Eve online. I remember setting up with me and one of my uh, corp mates who was actually a friend from a friend that I worked with. Uh, we had, uh, we were both off on the same day and we stayed up for 20 plus hours in stealth bombers, in wormholes, in Eve, sneaking around. We spent four hours sneaking up on hunting and killing one guy because hmm, that seems sort of trolly. It was super trolly, hmm. but that was the kind of thing I enjoyed in that game. And I enjoyed playing in the areas that required you to really work hard for the kills. It was, I am having to use probes. I don't just know who's here because of how it's set up. I'm in an area that requires me to use probes to find somebody. Then you have to, then you have to lock them down. Then you have to get in close and you have to track it. And it is involved and it was time consuming and spending hours hunting a guy and then pulling out and spending and waiting for him to come back. That was the best part is if you pulled out and you waited for two hours. They'd almost always come back and start doing it again. Hmm. And then you'd pop them again. I was really trolly in that game. Yeah. But it was a lot of fun. And that's the thing is, is Eve Online, even, even more than something like Elite Dangerous or anything else, is a pure sandbox. And everything, every ship, every gun, every missile, every bullet, everything in that game is created by players, for players, sold by players. It's got a full-on economy that is 100% because of in-game players building everything. And that kind of thing is a very special thing. And I love it. And I would play more of it if I could. But there's just not that kind of time in my life. So I find this kind of gameplay and this kind of emergent play amazing. Mm. So, well, we'll step off of that. We talked not last episode, but I think the episode before yeah. Yeah. about how Steam has a new competitor, the Epic Game Store. And we talked then about uh, several of their exclusives they had, Super Meat Boy Forever, uh, Super Giant's new game Hades. Um, it was announced at the end of December. They are getting, they're going to be the sole place to get the final episodes of the final season of Telltale's The Walking Dead. Uh, people who bought season passes on Steam or on elsewhere, they will still get their games. They will still get them. It's just, if you hadn't already had the season pass, you can't buy the season pass anymore. You can't get it. If you want the final, the final episodes, you have to go to the Epic Game Store. Well, in addition to that, they've got one more large, very large exclusive that just got announced. Tom Clancy's The Division 2. Now, this is a game that was available on Steam for pre-order. 
before this deal was signed. Now that this deal is signed, it's gone. It's off Steam completely. Uh, the only places to get it is from the Epic Game Store, and you can get it from Ubisoft directly. And from everything I read, people who had pre-ordered it on Steam will get it with their pre-order they've already done, but they'll get it from Ubisoft directly. So, another big hit to Steam, and I don't know... I haven't really seen any big counters going the other way from Steam yet. And it's very early. It's basically been two months at this point. But I would assume that we're before the end of the year, we're going to start seeing reactions from Steam from this. They're going to have to react. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm at, I don't think you'll see transfers the other other way for a couple of reasons. One, the Epic Game Store just has a lot less for Steam to go after. Yeah. And going after those products would probably mean Steam would have to make offers that aren't being extended to their existing producer base. That would be, it could cause more problems. Yeah. Because, because if the issue is that if the complaint is that Steam keeps too much of the money, the only way to counter that as Steam is to not keep as much of the money. But if you're just trying to poach things back, you're going to have a problem with everyone else who didn't get the discount. Right. But ultimately, I mean, I don't know. I, a long term, if if Epic if Epic continues to gain things, I mean, in my view, it has to be bigger. The division was a disappointment for Ubisoft. It did not perform nearly as well as the Siege did, Rainbow Six Siege, yeah. which is which actually saw its audience continue player active player base grow after the first year. The division was a very 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 ambitious game with a lot of flaws. They have faith in it, so they're putting out the second one. I would assume the second one will be a lot better. And a lot of people did buy The Division. Yeah. But we're not talking Red Dead here. So it's a big it's a big deal, but I, I we have to remember what percentage of the overall market does Steam still control. They have so much that it, I'm wondering how long it will be before they actually think they have to react. Because Valve has just got their cash-making machine, and it's still making lots and lots of cash. If you still have... 90 plus percent of game sales under your a PC game sales under your hood. Do you care about someone who has 3%? I mean, I just don't know if this is enough still. Yeah. I mean, no, I can see I, I just, I just it's not there yet. I just if it's just not there yet. I mean, I think it would have been more devastating if, uh, if Epic had gotten Far Cry. Oh, a that, bigger yeah. Ubisoft game. Right. Well, and that's the thing is, uh, during this announcement, Ubisoft and Epic announced that they will be partnering on additional titles okay. this year. So as some of the Ubisoft's bigger franchise, because this is still a relatively new franchise that's yeah. trying to grow under the Tom Clancy umbrella, that I could see that being a far bigger motivator. Because yeah, Ubisoft's not the biggest studio out there, but they're big. Yeah. They play on the E3 stage. So if you have all of their stuff, Moving forward, that I might be enough to get Steam to take notice, and we don't know that that's that they we have don't. all of their Steam stuff. Already we don't has know. Had to do without on a lot of really big stuff that never was on Steam in the first place. Right, they didn't need to be. Right, the people who the games that have gone their own right. and been on their own right. thing, Blizzard, Which is fine. Activision stuff on Battle. You know, they yeah, don't, they don't need Steam. Overwatch doesn't have to be on Steam. You'll come to them. You'll come to me if you know what's good for you. Yes. So I think it's just interesting to see that there's been 
Because there's always been people who have been vying to be the next team, and it looks like Epic, because of the back, kind of backing they have and the money they've got to throw around thanks to Fortnite, actually has a solid chance moving forward. We're going to see the Monopoly. I think the Monopoly is going to be seriously broken. Uh, yeah, I I think the biggest obstacle that Epic would face is developers being afraid that they that their sales will fall so dramatically if they're not on Steam, they actually end up with less money in their pocket, even though Epic takes less than Steam does. But if bigger entities are on there, it lends comfort to the idea that right. oh, well, we'll be okay. People are going to go there to buy the division, so they'll see my game. And Plus, if you can be on both platforms, why not be on both platforms? You could, you could, yeah, that could be a thing. It, it just means you'll get slightly more money from one than the other. Sure. But you'll still get, because, I mean, Steam's built-in user base of people who use Steam is so enormous. Mm-hmm. Right. That. But, but longer term, if you think, well, if people have to go, if people have to have the Steam app and the Epic app on their computers, why not just be on the one that doesn't take as much of your money. Right. Might as well just stay with Epic. So, yeah. I think Epic's making all the right moves. I, I It's going to be interesting how it plays out over the course of the next yeah, couple of years. we'll see. We'll just, I mean, it just has to... You have to start seeing more and more developers pour into the system. And I think there's, the odds are good that will happen if Steam just sits there thinking, we're Steam. Yeah. You can't escape. You can't escape our gravity well. Now the other big question is: Do they watch this? Is it they? Do they let Epic build up and have everything playing, and this things get 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 bigger and bigger, and then Steam just steps forward and goes, "We have Half Life Three. Well, but how does that hurt Epic? Is the thing? Well, that's the thing. I don't think it hurts yeah, them have, at all. Okay, so you have to have Steam, which you all, everyone already has installed to buy Half Life Three, which. The percentage that the developers get to keep is probably moot when it's a Valve game, right? So, I, I mean, don't get me wrong; I, it would be you get they, I guess, win a media cycle for I, hey, look, there's Half Life Three, but but to me, that's Valve and their future game development has nothing to do with publicly Steam. with Steam. Yeah. No one, they're not linked. To, in my mind, they're not linked at all. Valve happens to own Steam. The only thing I think about in, in terms of Valve and Steam is that I blame Steam for why Valve doesn't make games because they realize it's so much easier to take other people's money. That's true. Than to do work and earn it. You have to let me have the dream that, that Half-Life 3 will happen. It's like, congratulations, you are... I don't think it will. I don't either. That's I don't why care. it's a dream. Half-Life, I don't care anymore. There's so much better storytelling than we ever saw in Half-Life now in other games. That's true. That it's just the memory of how cool it was at the time because it was revolutionary, but... I worry that it'll, I mean, I don't want it to fall into the Duke Nukem Forever thing where 3D Realms was like, we got to beat what we did before. And they couldn't anymore. They were pioneers when they were first. Right. After that, everyone knew what to do and they iterated off of it. And you're competing against the iterations and you can't win against that. You just got to make something different. Right. But the silent protagonist thing is so dead. Nintendo can get away with it with Zelda, but. It's that's not what people want anymore. They want immersive narrative experiences and single player campaigns, not quiet guys who wield wrenches. That or or they want the uh, battle royale. But if it makes you feel any better, I've heard that Valve has apparently they have put out job recruitment things for developers, people. So that suggests gaming development. So yeah, that suggests they're planning to work on something. 
I would take Portal 3 over Half-Life I would take Portal 3. Yeah, Portal 3 would be good. Any day of the week. Our last little bit of video game is just a fun little thing. Uh, This was pointed out to us by Jake Danzig on Facebook. And uh, then I saw it on the news and everything. Uh, Helicopter flying flying over to Chief Stadium caught them playing... Uh, Mario Kart on the Royal scoreboard. And for those, because a lot of you probably aren't familiar, in, in Kansas City, uh, Arrowhead Stadium, which is where the Chiefs play, and Kauffman Stadium, where the Royals baseball team plays, are side by side. Yeah. So that's that's why they happen to hit see Roy, they see the Royals uh, score score display, the big jumbotron, when they were over by the other stadium. And. The responses, uh, uh, the response came out on Twitter. Finding out about it, it was uh, as cool as it would be. That it was just some bored people. It was actually Royal Royals Charities, which is the Royals Charity Company, uh, was doing a charity event, and they were playing Mario Kart Eight on the hundred and five foot tall scoreboard. They mentioned in the Twitter that they're looking at auctioning off a game party. On the scoreboard later this year. Hmm. That's clever. So that brings up to my, the question for me. If you were part of it, what game would you want to play on a 105 foot by like 85 foot full giant thing? Well, Smash would work pretty good on that. I'm thinking, you know, four players, really big, something that would be nice like that. Or you go go to the old school GoldenEye style stuff where you oh, got the four yeah. splits. You can do some of the some of the older but not super old Call of Duties and stuff allowed that. That would work pretty well uh, in terms of. I mean, there are a lot of things that would be really really cool on the. See, I was thinking something. I was thinking something along the lines of a fighting game tournament. A fighting game would would be pretty cool. I was trying to stick with. Things I might let four people play because uh, obviously racing games work really well with that. Uh, you could also it could be really fun to do a lot of uh, like vertical platforming style stuff. Would look there's oh. a, basically everything. Looks pinball arcade. A pinball arcade. Yeah. Bank. <laughs> bank. Then everyone would see it, and then Pinside, your favorite website, would light up with "That's not a real pinball." <laughs> Boo hoo! Killjoys. Anyway, the graphics would be wrong. It, it, they'd have to yeah. go with Zen. Yeah. <laughs> but well, oh, that's everything. That's it. Wow, that's, this was a meaty show. It was a pretty meaty show. Well, we'll be back in a couple weeks. But until then, you can always contact us at eclecticgamerspodcast at gmail.com or reach out to us facebook.com slash eclecticgamerspodcast. We're on Twitter and Instagram, and we're streaming three to five days a week on Twitch now, and all of them were eclectic underscore gamers. That's right. And so in two weeks, I'm Dennis. I'm Tony. See you later. Peace.